St. Giles Online. Hi everyone, welcome to St. Giles Online, week number 12, I think. We've got a wonderful service planned for you today, so make yourself a herbal tea, crack open the digestives, and let's worship and grow together. Good morning and welcome to St. Giles. I'm Lee, I'm the Vicar of St. Giles, and it's a pleasure to welcome you to worship today. Um, I've come back inside the church again. We streamed from the church last week. I know lots of people appreciated that. So I think from now on, uh, unless something drastic happens, we're going to have our services from here inside the church um, each week. Um, whether you are watching in West Bridgeford or whether you're watching from, from further afield, um, I don't know where you are, but the Lord does know where you are. And I pray that he will meet with you uh, today as we worship together. Let's begin by um, just committing our time together to the Lord. I'm going to start uh, by reading from Psalm 84, just verses 1 and 2 um, this morning. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord Almighty! My soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Lord, our, our hearts do yearn for the courts of the Lord. Lord, we look forward to that day when we can meet together in person and we can worship uh, together as your people. But more than that, Lord, our hearts cry out for you, the living God, the maker of the heavens and the earth. And Lord, I pray that as we gather together online, that you would meet with us, that you'd come amongst us by your spirit and reveal yourself afresh to us in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm grateful to Hannah who has prepared our opening worship for us. Morning everyone. It's great to have you worshipping with us this morning. I just wanted to share briefly um, a phrase that I've been reading and reflecting on this week from a gastric devotional that I've read. Um, and the phrase is, worship invites freedom. Worship invites freedom. And it's based from the Bible passage in Acts 16, where Paul and Silas are thrown into prison. So we're starting at verse 23. It says, After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. Upon receiving such orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. So, in the midst of their dire situation, they worshipped. Worship's not just some form of escapism. When we worship... When we choose to worship, it invites freedom into our lives. However we're finding our current circumstances, when we worship, it invites freedom. Paul and Silas worshipped in those prison walls. And in that tricky situation, God's spirit literally broke in. So what bits of our lives um, have we put behind locked doors? Or um, where are we imprisoned? When we choose to worship, it brings freedom into those areas of our lives. So just as we go into worship, I'm just going to pray. Lord, I pray as we worship this morning 
that your kingdom and your reign would break into our lives afresh, that your presence in us would increase. Lord, whatever our prison walls are, I pray that you would break in and as we worship, we would find new freedom in you. Help us to worship this morning, Lord, whatever situation we are in the midst of. Amen.
we're continuing this week with our theme of a balanced Christian life. And today we're looking at the, the theme of holiness. Um, any understanding of the Christian life has to include a component of, of holiness, of, of the Christian life being a way of holiness, as, as, of us reflecting the holiness of God and our lives being marked by holiness. But, but what does that really mean? What, what do we understand by holiness? That's what we'll be thinking about this morning. I'm going to start by listening to God's word and Ellen is going to read for us. Our reading today is Luke chapter 18, verses 9 to 14, the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. To some who were confident in their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself. God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, like robbers and evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and I give a tenth of all that I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but he beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. This is the word of the Lord. I'm now going to pray. Lord Jesus, we just pray that your Holy Spirit will speak to us today. As Lee opens this word to us, we pray that you will come into our homes, into our hearts, and that you will um, show us what it is that you want to say to us today. In the name of Jesus, amen. As I said, today we're looking at the theme of holiness in the Christian life. And before we can start to think about the holiness of a Christian, we need to consider what holiness is and think about the holiness of God. And that's, that's a huge topic. I could probably do a sermon series for a year on the holiness of God. But um, rather than do that, you'll be relieved to know, we've got a short video just helping us to introduce the theme and helping us to think about the holiness of God. And I'm grateful to Emma and Dave who've helped me to put this together. You've probably heard the word holy before or at least sang it in a church song once or twice. And for most people, this idea is really just connected to being a morally good person. So God is holy because he's morally perfect. Yeah, that's part of it. But in the Bible, the idea of holiness is even bigger and more rich. What it's really describing is how God is the creative force behind the whole universe. He's the one and only being with the power to make a world full of such beauty and life. And so all these abilities, they make God utterly unique, which is the meaning of the word holy. So a helpful way to think about God's holiness is by using the sun as a metaphor. The sun is unique, at least within our solar system, and it's really powerful. It's the source of all this beautiful life on our planet. So you could say that the sun is holy. And you can actually take this metaphor even further in that the whole area around the sun is also holy. Yeah, because the closer you get to the sun, the more intense it gets. Yes, exactly. So that very power and goodness that generates all this life is also dangerous. I mean, the sun, if you get too close, will annihilate you. And in the same way, there's this paradox at the heart of God's holiness, because if you're impure, his presence is dangerous to you. And not because it's bad, but because it's so good. And so the first time we see this paradox of God's holiness is in the story of Moses and the burning bush. So God tells Moses to take off his sandals because he's standing on holy ground and Moses covers his face in fear and God says, hey, don't come any closer. It's intense. 
Actually, it's that intensity of God's holiness that's explored even more in the stories of Israel's temple, which was the main place where God's holy presence was located. And at the centre of the temple was this room called the Most Holy Place. It's the hotspot of God's presence. And whether you're an Israelite living in the land, around the temple, or a priest working in the temple itself, you're in proximity to God's holy presence, which is dangerous. Yeah, that is a problem. So how's it supposed to work? Well, in the Bible, the solution is that you need to become pure. So like being morally pure? Yeah, and that's easy enough to understand. But the Bible spends a lot of time talking about another kind of purity, being ritually pure. A state where you separate yourself from anything related to death, like touching things like diseased skin or dead bodies, or even certain bodily fluids. All these things make you impure. And becoming ritually impure isn't necessarily sinful. What's wrong is waltzing into God's presence when you're in an impure state. And so that's why God gave the Israelites very clear instructions for knowing when they were impure and steps to become pure so they could go into the temple again. So that's what the book of Leviticus is about. Right, but it doesn't stop there. This idea keeps developing. So later in the scriptures, we find this really interesting story by a prophet named Isaiah. And he has this amazing vision where he's in the temple and he's writing God's presence and he is totally terrified. Yeah, he knows the rules. He shouldn't even be in there and he's worried about being destroyed. And then this crazy creature called a seraphim. Yeah, that is a crazy creature. Absolutely. So it flies over with a hot coal and then it sears Isaiah's lips with the coal and says something really strange. Your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. So this burning coal somehow makes Isaiah pure. Right, and it's remarkable because normally if you touch something impure, it transfers its impurity to you. But now here's this new idea where you have this coal, this very holy and pure object, and it touches Isaiah and it transfers its purity to him. Isaiah is not destroyed by God's holiness, he's transformed by it. And the implications of this are absolutely huge. But there's one more development, this time from another prophet, Ezekiel. And he has this vision where he's standing at the temple and he sees water trickling from it. And then that water turns into a stream and then it grows into a deep river that starts flowing through the desert, leaving this trail of green trees behind it. And then it flows into the Dead Sea, making everything fresh and alive. So instead of becoming pure and then going to the temple, here God's holiness comes out from the temple, making things pure and bringing them to life. But what does it all mean? We don't know until we meet this man, Jesus, and he claims that he is fulfilling all of these visions, but in surprising new ways. So Jesus went around touching people who were impure, people with skin diseases, a woman with chronic bleeding, or dead people. And when he touches them, their impurity should transfer over to Jesus. But instead, Jesus' purity transfers to them and actually heals their bodies. Jesus is like that holy coal in Isaiah's vision. Right, and Jesus claimed that he was the human embodiment of God's own holiness and that he and his followers were now God's temple so that through them, God's holy presence would go out into the world and bring life and healing and hope. And so this is why Jesus described his followers as having streams of living water flowing out of them. So this is our part of the story where we find ourselves now. But where's this all heading? So the last pages of the Bible end with a final vision about God's holiness. And this time 
It's by a man named John. And in his vision, we see the world made completely new. The entire earth has become God's temple. And Ezekiel's river is there, flowing out of God's presence, immersing all of creation, removing all impurity, and bringing everything back to life. I've come into the Lady Chapel for this bit. So let's, um, let's pray and then we'll consider God's word together. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would open our hearts and minds, uh, that you'd speak to us by your spirit, to the glory of Jesus. Amen. So where does this understanding of holiness leave us as Christians? Well, I think there's a couple of things for us um, to acknowledge. Um, the first thing we need to acknowledge is that none of us are righteous, none of us are holy uh, in and of ourselves in God's eyes. The Old Testament set the standard, set the pattern for holiness for the people of God in the Old Testament. Uh, do not lie, do not steal, uh, love the Lord your God, honour your parents, do not be jealous, all of those uh, things. They, they showed this is what a holy life looks like. This is what the Lord our God uh, expects of his people if they're to reflect his likeness, to display his truth and his glory in the world. And Jesus takes these a step further and he says, um, it's not enough just to, to obey the laws, but you've also got to keep the laws in your hearts as well. He said, I tell you, if you look at somebody lustfully, then that's committing adultery in your heart. He says, if you rage against somebody in your heart, then that's committing uh, murder in your heart. And even if you might never have murdered somebody, you've still broken um, God's law. You've broken it in your heart. Jesus said it's not the, the stuff that is outside of you that makes you unclean. It's what's inside of you and what bubbles out that makes you unclean. The Bible says that all have fallen short and um, come, uh, come short in terms of God's standard. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm going to have to do that again. So where does this leave us as Christians? Well, I think it means that we need to acknowledge a few things about ourselves and the world that we live in. Uh, the first thing I think we need to acknowledge is that um, none of us in and of ourselves are holy. None of us are righteous. The Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. In the Old Testament, there was the Ten Commandments and they set the standard of holiness. They showed what it meant to live a holy and righteous life in God's eyes. Uh, to love God, to honour God, um, to honour your parents, to not lie, to not steal, to not murder, uh, to not be jealous. And uh, to keep these laws was to live a holy life. And of course, nobody could keep them um, perfectly. Nobody could love the Lord uh, perfectly in every way. And so there was sacrifices each year in the temple to atone for the sins of the people. Uh, Jesus comes along and Jesus says it's not enough to follow the laws externally, but also you need to follow the laws in your heart. They need to be written upon your heart. He said, it's not the things outside of you that make you unclean, that cause you to sin. It's the things inside of you that bubble up within that cause you to sin. 
He said, well, you might not have broken uh, the commandment of committing adultery, but I tell you, if you've, if you've lusted after somebody in your heart, then you have sinned against God laws, God's laws. He says, well, look, you may not have, have murdered somebody, but if you've thought murderous thoughts in your hearts, then you have sinned against God's law. You've, you've fallen short. All of us, I think, as a first step as Christians, have to acknowledge that we live in a, in a fallen world and all of us have fallen short of God's holiness. And none of us are holy in and of ourselves. Second thing I think we need to do as Christians uh, is not only just to acknowledge that we live in a fallen world, but to take hold of God's provision for us, uh, his means of grace, his way of making us holy in this broken, fallen world. And of course, that is Jesus. Jesus did live a sinless life. Jesus didn't sin in, in body or in word, in mind or in spirit. He was perfectly holy. He was perfectly righteous. Not only that, but he bore the sins of the world. Uh, John the Baptist said of him, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And Jesus acting as high priest, he offered um, an eternal sacrifice. And Jesus acting as a sacrificial lamb, he was that sacrifice. On the cross, he bore the sins of the world. Uh, for our sake, the lamb was slain and the sins of the world were laid upon him. He died the death that our sins deserve and he rose victorious from the grave, a sign that sin had been defeated and the sacrifice had been accepted. Uh, to be a Christian is to take hold of God's provision in Jesus. It's to say uh, to God, Lord, I can't be righteous in myself, but I thank you for Jesus, the righteous one who died in my place, who offered his life in exchange for mine. It's to exchange our our worthless rags uh, for his righteous garments that he lovingly uh, prepares for us and provides for us. It's to take hold of his grace and to um, take hold of the sacrifice, the provision that he has made uh, for us. What does this mean? What does this look like? Well, it, it means confession. It begins with confession. If you're not sure what confession looks like, then we had that beautiful parable that Ellen read for us, the parable of the tax collector and the Pharisee. The Pharisee, well, he looks, he looks righteous, he looks holy on the outside, uh, but we see that his heart is rotten, um, he's prideful. And then we have the tax collector, who to all intents and purposes, people would have viewed as a sinner. He, he won't draw near in the temple, he, he stands far off, but he prays a prayer, and it's a prayer that Jesus says puts him right with God. He says, look, he went away righteous. He went away in a right relationship with God. And that prayer was a simple prayer. Lord, have mercy upon me, a sinner. To be a Christian is to accept that we, we can't be holy in ourselves, but God can make us holy through the offering of Jesus. And all we need to do is to trust in him and avail ourselves of the sacrifice that he has made. We all just need to pray the prayer that the tax collector prays in that story that Jesus told. Lord, have mercy upon me, a sinner. We don't just pray it once, but we pray it, pray it frequently, we pray it regularly. As, as Jesus taught his disciples to pray in the Lord's Prayer, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. 
So my challenge for us this week is to make time uh, for this confession. To actually set a time during the week where, where we just stop and we ask God uh, to do something that feels quite dangerous and makes us feel quite exposed. But we ask the Lord to search our hearts, to search our hearts by the Holy Spirit and to reveal to us anything that we need to uh, turn from, anything that we need to confess, anything that we need to repent of, to, to turn away from. Psalmist writes in Psalm 139, uh, Lord, you know me, search me and try me. That's a dangerous prayer to pray, but it's a prayer that each Christian needs to pray. If we are to live holy lives, uh, ask God to show us the things that offend him in our lives and to confess those uh, to him, to ask forgiveness uh, for them. And uh, thirdly and finally, another challenge for us, something else to acknowledge, and that's that we can't do this on our own. We need the, the help and the encouragement of fellow believers to uh, support us. And not only to support us, but to hold us accountable. St. Paul wrote to the church in, in Ephesus in Ephesians 4 verse 1, I urge you then to live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. Live a life worthy of the calling you've received as somebody who has been uh, bought by Jesus's precious blood as somebody who has um, uh, tasted the forgiveness that the Father offers, who knows the cost of sin. Live a life worthy of the calling you've received as a Christian. We need the encouragement, we need the support of uh, brothers and sisters in Christ who can help us to do that. So my second challenge for you, um, perhaps this week or in the weeks ahead, is to think, who is there amongst my circle of Christian friends, perhaps within my home group or other people I know at church or perhaps outside of St. Giles, who can, who can hold me accountable? Who can say to me, look, are you living a life worthy of the calling that you've received? Not people who are just going to encourage us and support us and, and always affirm us, but who can um, ask us the hard questions um, and who can hold us accountable? Um, who can challenge us when necessary? People who, um, if we're brave enough, we can confess our sins to and say, look, I want you to hold me accountable to this. I want you to walk with me in this. I want you to support me in this because I long to live a holy life. Uh, many of you will remember my friend um, Richard from the church weekend away. There's a, there's a picture of him there. Um, he's somebody who takes on that role uh, for me. He's somebody I, I talk to regularly. Um, we talk to probably every other day. We pray together um, online and we hold each other accountable. And, and from time to time, there's been things that I've, I've confessed to him and things he's confessed to me. And we sought to hold each other accountable uh, for the lives that we live. There is a lot that he needs to repent of. Okay, thanks, Richard. Appreciate it. I'm sure the church um, needed to hear that. So to conclude, what do we need to do to live a holy life? We need to give thanks for all that Jesus has done for us and take hold of the offering that he has made for us. We need to make time and space for confession and to be, to be deliberate um, about that. And we need to build some accountability in our lives. We need to find a small group of uh, Christian brothers and sisters who can hold us to account and who we in turn uh, can hold to account that we together might live lives uh, worthy of the calling that we've received. 
Let's pray together and then uh, we're going to continue in worship. And let's, let's pray a prayer of confession together. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we have sinned against you and against our neighbour in thought and word and deed, through negligence, through weakness, through our own deliberate fault. We are truly sorry and repent of all our sins. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, who died for us, forgive us all that is past and grant that we may serve you in newness of life to the glory of your name. Amen. Almighty God, who forgives all who truly repent, have mercy upon us, pardon and deliver us from all our sins, confirm and strengthen us in all goodness, and keep us in life eternal, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Of you, but now. 
to the interview bit of the vidcast we are so lucky to have had so many people um, speak to myself and lee uh, to come on and have a chat with us so thank you very much if you're one of the people uh, that volunteered we've got quite a list to get through but i think we'll be doing this for fair a fair while but today on the vidcast i'm very pleased uh, to be speaking to a couple you will no doubt recognize for st giles and they are the very lovely doreen and roger otway good morning good morning how are you both? What's your lockdown story? Where are you? Who are you with? What are you doing? Um, well, we started lockdown with a, a very hasty painting of sheds, fences, <laughs> but we ran out of jobs, so we're, we're sort of struggling to find things to do. But uh, we're coping with it when it's lonely um, and boring. I know children boring. say boring, but, <laughs> uh, but we're, we're fine, yes. And have you, you're, you're, you've been kind of full lockdown, you've been heading out for your walks and things like that. I know we can, yeah. um, now we can meet people in gardens. Have you ventured out into a garden meeting yet? We did yesterday. We went yesterday and met a friend, a friend um, we hadn't seen for four months, which was lovely. Sat in their garden, 
but we've been uh, more or less totally isolated. So, yeah, it's been hard. And it's a weird one. I know you guys don't work, but it's a weird one when you're suddenly um, just in the house and, and you can't go out and you are suddenly just mm. stuck together and it's just the two of you. Um, have you been doing anything different to what you would normally be doing, taking up any hobbies? We're doing an awful lot of jigsaw puzzles, <laughs> a lot of gardening. Yeah. See, this is uh, the thing. I've been, I've been training, so we're all right. You've yeah. been training? Uh, <laughs> not training that kind of what, training. Roger? <laughs> oh, I've got a model railways uh, set up in the attic. <laughs> I'm training those days. I love it. I love the fact that you'd call that training. That's brilliant. Oh, I love that. So is the office a full layout of a train track? Well, it's not that big. Uh, it's a lot smaller than we used to have. Uh, the house we lived in before, had a, I had a 13 by 13 room that had gone all the way around the room. But I'm, I'm stuck with about a 10 by 4 layout at the moment. That's brilliant. That's we could so do a sad. whole series of what people at St. Charles have got in their lofts. We had our loft in our house. Tot it didn't have any um, boarding or flooring or anything like that. We've had it boarded specifically so that Johnny, my husband, can put his Lego on display. Oh, oh wow. Lego man. Oh, lovely. <laughs> anyway, we digress from action we're talking about. Um, and in terms of faith, I'm going to ask you about that in just a second. But Roger, you were telling me um, that this year is a fairly significant year for you in church choirs. Yeah, I've, I've, with a very, very short break of a couple of weeks, I think, I've just done 70 years in a church choir of one city or another. I started up in Bristol, moved to Worcester. Uh, when we moved to Arnold and went to St Paul's, David, and then uh, moved to Bridgeford and stayed at St Giles. Wow. So yes, it's been 70 years. That is amazing. Congratulations, first off. And secondly, <laughs> for people that aren't in the choir at St Giles, um, what's going on? How are you guys connecting and, and singing together at the moment? We're doing it on Zoom, which is, uh, to me, is really, it's terrifying. We have to record our own on our phones, then we send it to John Prentice, who's got the most amazing technical stuff that he puts it all together, and uh, it works beautifully. <laughs> so amazing. we're doing a couple of things for Even Song, which is lovely. Uh, yeah, so brilliant. That's and what we missed, though, more yeah. than anything. Yeah. yeah, I think a lot of people are really missing singing with each other. I mean, I know we can all do yeah. it in, in our homes and the vidcast is amazing, but getting together with other people and singing is, is a real help, I think. Yeah. Yeah, yes, and I'm a traditionalist. I love the old hymns and psalms and yeah. <laughs> so I'm really missing even stuff. Yeah, that's seven o'clock service leaders on a Sunday night, I bet you know. <laughs> and apart from the choir, in terms of keeping in, in touch with your faith and and how are you finding that? Um, you want to say to me? No, you go on. I mean, from my point of view, I mean, my faith has, over the last couple of years anyway, proved very essential to carrying on. Um, Without that faith and without the support of the people who were, you know, part of our faith circle, um, it would have been a lot harder than it has been. So I, I mean, I, I've been keeping up there looking after me and uh, and everybody else is back in the mob. So <laughs> we've had amazing people from all over the world praying for Roger during 
during the last 12 months. It has been, you know, so uplifting, it really yeah. has. For those people who are watching that don't know, you've not been very well, have you? No, I've had um, bowel and liver cancer. And I've got lung cancer. <laughs> what the heck? it about. So it is. I love how you laugh as well. So it is, I mean, it's such an important thing with all those prayers. You, you feel it, don't you? Yeah, you do. Definitely. Yeah, we do. Well, we yeah. continue praying and hopefully it won't be um, too much longer, too many more months until we can all pray and sing together. But it's so yeah. lovely to, to talk to you and so lovely to see you. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Emma. Thank you, Emma. Thank you very much. Thank you both. Good to see you. Uh, thanks, Emma, for doing that interview as well. Um, well, one thing we have each week going on online is we have at 11 o'clock our junior church programme led by Ellen and others. If you'd like your kids to join in that this week, just send me an email and I'll send you um, the link for that. Um, this last week, they've been learning a memory verse. And again, it's on our theme of holiness. And some of those are going to share that verse with us now. OK, we're going to do our memory verse. First Peter 2, chapter 9. OK, Caleb. So we are... A chosen people. We are chosen people. Royal priesthood, like a crown. Royal priesthood. A holy nation. A holy nation. A people belonging. A people belonging. Belonging to God. To declare the praises. To declare the praises. Him who called us out of darkness. Into his glorious light. But you are a chosen people. A royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 9. This is how I pray to God when I'm really young. So you hold your hands together, open them, and then lift your things up to God that you've been really angry to and say like what you want to give to God and you cuddle yourself and you say thank you. We're going to continue in worship now. And as we do, there's just a reminder that we've got prayer ministry available. Uh, just click on the link below and one of the prayer ministry team will be available to pray with you um, online. Let's worship together.
things that I've really missed um, because we haven't been able to gather together is sharing the peace um, together. It's something we do each week here at St Giles and I've, I've really, really missed that. So I thought, why don't we close the service today uh, by sharing the peace and we'll share the peace with each other online. They might like to share uh, the peace with those you're watching with at home too. The risen Christ came and stood among his people and he said, my peace I give you, my peace I leave with you. The peace of the Lord be always with you. Let's offer one another a sign of peace. And while, um, while you're doing that, I'm going to close with the blessing. God, the Holy Trinity, make you strong in faith and love. 
defend you on every side and guide your paths in the way of peace. The blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit be among you and remain with you always. We go in peace to love and serve the Lord. In the name of Christ. Amen.